everyone, Derek Wilson here to reconstruct the prehistoric past with you. In this episode, I feature an interview I recently did with author and host of the Earth Ancients podcast, Cliff Dunning, who joins me to share about his fascination with the ancient Maya culture and the many mysteries surrounding their incredible archaeological sites. But before we get to the interview, I want to let you know real quick that registration just went live for our second annual Megalithic Marvels of Egypt tour coming this May of 2023. Uh, I want to invite you to join me and renowned researcher and tour guide Mohammed Ibrahim for the adventure of a lifetime, a 12-day expedition to see and touch the world's greatest superstructures. On this tour, you will receive exclusive access to see and touch Egypt's megalithic marvels, learn about the hidden history of Egypt, and meet uh, new friends in a really friendly and inclusive environment. Uh, From cruising down the Nile River to soaring on a hot air balloon over the Luxor Sunrise to riding camels alongside the Giza Pyramids, uh, it's going to be incredible. And our Egypt adventure will culminate with a two-hour-long private visit inside the Great pyramid so i really hope you'll consider joining us you can um, go to megalithicmarvels.com forward slash tours or click the link below in the show notes for all the info in the itinerary Uh, lastly please subscribe to this podcast give me a five-star rating if you like it leave a review and i'll do my best to find it and read it on a future episode okay let's get to my interview with cliff now I'm excited to be joined by author, researcher, and host of the Earth Ancient podcast, Cliff Dunning. Cliff, thanks so much for joining me today on Megalithic Marvels. Hey, Dee. Great to see you, and uh, thanks for the invite. Tell us what fascinates you most about the Mayan culture and why you're a Mayanist. I'm of the belief that at some point, a mother culture, you can call it Atlantis or Garden of Eden or whatever, a mother culture had the basic blueprints for for pyramid building. And I think the pre-Maya actually uh, used this technology to build their pyramids throughout Mexico and Central and South America. I've had archaeologists on my, my show that basically say we don't believe it, although in the Angkor Wat, the pyramids there are very similar to the Maya. The design is very similar to some of the Egyptian pyramids and buildings. They won't, they won't break their academic code and even consider it. But that being said, the foremost Mayanist in the world, a guy named Michael Coe, who wrote the early Maya books and excavated Tikal in the 1950s, when he retired, he somewhat slipped and said his belief was that there was some form of what they call diffusion, ex, uh, uh, exchanging of technology between the Maya and the Cambodians who built Angkor Wat. So for him to say that as a retiree and not say it as a professor teaching people kind of tells you uh, how the academic world works and how skewed it is. They're not open to uh, anomalies it's one way or no way. Again, remember what I said in the very beginning, the academics do not talk to the current Maya. And by the way, 
there's 6 million Maya still living in Mexico and in uh, Central and South America. Why not talk to these people? Can you imagine how much data we've lost? Can you imagine us excavating great cities like Chichen Itza, Tikal, Edzna, and on and on and on without talking to these people who may have knowledge on how these places were built? I don't know if, if you've been to Mexico much, but when you go to some of these ruined cities, they have been thrown together with an eye to modern building technique. And they're so off. It's ridiculous. They look like mishmashes of cement, mortar, and whatever's left of the building, you know, and this is what we have to deal with today. So, uh, but getting back to your idea about the connection between the Maya and the Egyptians, there's a lot of clues. There's a lot of clues uh, of uh, tobacco, uh, a lot of the other fruits and vegetables that were developed by Maya scientists. And um, I mean, even uh, cocaine is found in some mummies. Uh, and so because we don't see it uh, in reliefs, in hieroglyphs, in writing, doesn't mean it wasn't happening. And I, I thoroughly believe that in the previous uh, epic prior to the de uh, devastation, that there was diffusion, there was trading, there was um, uh, cultural exchanges uh, to a, a fairly high degree. Do you, um, do you have a favorite Mayan site? And why do you, uh, what fascinates you about the Maya verse, let's say like the Aztec or Olmec cultures? Um, I gave a talk last year at Ancient Origins. And um, in that talk, I pulled together a lot of the data that um, had been handed down to me. And I, I'm actually <laughs> supposed to be writing a book. Uh, it's called uh, The Maya Controversy, which is based on the time I had spent with Mayan day keepers, which are the uh, scientists that uh, keep the machines at these various sites running. And when I say machines, they're observ observatories, there are platforms, there are buildings that are aligned. Um, so my interest in the Maya and the reason I, I think that they are just fascinating is that we, we've only scratched the surface. The big disconnect, obviously, is we're not talking to the present-day Maya, that number one. The second problem we have is that they are so sophisticated that we can only consider them a, a, an anomalous freak. Oh, I don't use the word freak, but the scientists, the uh, archaeologists consider them uh, freakish because they're brilliant mathematicians, astronomers, and so forth. So when you say, what are my favorite sites? Uh, uh, Palenque is an amazing site simply because um, it was built on a, a, a ley line. You go into some of the buildings, uh, you can even walk on the Temple of Inscriptions where uh, Pakal is buried, and you get a little buzz. You bring your compass with you, you'll get a little spin. Really? Um, we're going to be going with Dr. Uh, uh, Edwin Barnard, who excavated uh, Palenque about 15 years ago. And he, he says that when the tourists are brought into the civic area, which is where the main pyramids are, they miss a whole section 
of pyramids and temples that are just about 200 feet up and below a retaining wall. I mean, the Maya, we don't even understand how sophisticated they are. I mean, uh, the early pre-Maya, which are considered the uh, pre-civilization, we can't, we haven't even deciphered their language yet. And I've had a number of scientists, including Dr. Richard Hansen on the show, who's excavating El Miador, one of the oldest Maya sites. He's, you know, throwing all this stuff that the biggest pyramids in the Americas were built for <laughs> venerating the gods. And, and the other thing that's weird is that his area was scanned by LIDAR. His pyramids are unlike any other pyramids we've ever seen. I don't know if you, you probably know this, like four years ago, they did a, a scan, a, a LIDAR scan of the um, Guatemalan biosphere and found 60,000 unknown pyramids, temples, cities, uh, centers, and so on. Wow. What people don't know, though, is that the pyramids that are there, the, the buildings that are there, are unlike anything we've ever seen before. That they're, they're, they're of a whole different class of pyramid. They're of a whole different class of causeway. The roads, the roads at, at these sites are like 100 yards across, perfectly level. And they've, they've been around for thousands of years. And we, we just are now understanding. The other thing that's really funny, and this is kind of gives you a hint about archaeology. When we ask Hansen, Dr. Hansen, well, when are you going to start working on these, you know, these new areas? He, he basically sh- shrugs and says, well, the estimate amount of time it's going to take to begin surveying and chronicling these new ruins is 200 years. What? It's going to take 200 years for them to get in there to, to actually survey and do what they call consolidating, where they put the buildings back together. Uh, the whole area, 60,000 wow. ruins. So, uh, and so the Maya offer us a lot of uniqueness. Now, the reason I'm so fascinated with the Maya and I consider myself a Mayanist is that my teacher, Humbat's men, said the Maya came from the Atlantic and they are the descendants of a very sophisticated people. And I've had people like Dr. I mentioned her, Dr. Susan Martinez, uh, mention the, the the small people. Well, if you go to Tulum, all those ruins are for people that are three feet tall. Really? If you if you go to Tikal, there's a small city that kind of replicates Teotihuacan. They're all made for midgets, people that are three feet tall. And so I think there's a great deal we're missing that isn't validated by the scientific method and this is the problem when we start looking at ancient cultures the scientific method is faulty when you begin looking at these ancient cultures because we can't measure their technology we don't know what sciences is we only have a a fragment of understanding the maya and the and the dynastic language and so we're (laughs) we're guessing you know but this is it's so comfortable for us to follow the scientific method that the majority of people that are interested in Egypt fall on the, the uh, discoveries and the explanations 
for these early civilizations. BM wrong, they could be completely wrong uh, most of the time, and they likely are wrong. <laughs> so uh, the Maya are the next big news, and uh, I, um, I'm excited about them. I try to go down there every year and do a tour just to be close by those, those uh, pyramids and, and get bathed in the energy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I, I think uh, the day is coming when a, a, a document, a CODIS, uh, more information comes around. It shows that they're extremely old. Yeah, and tell listeners about your tour coming up. Do you still have spots left? Uh, we're full for Mexico in September, uh, but we are going to do it again in the fall of 2023 uh, with Dr. Uh, Ed Barnard, who is a Mayanist who, like I mentioned before, has excavated um, uh, Palenque, parts of Tikal, and he is a, he's not 100% an anomalist, but he's more uh, open to the possibilities. <laughs> so awesome. It, it makes it fun. Hey, you mentioned um, Palenque. It seems like there's so much mystery surrounding uh Pakal, Lord Pakal. And you know, I've I've read stuff and researched stuff that says he might have been a I think it was like a seven, eight foot type, uh almost giant, some would say. Uh there's a lot of mystery surrounding uh when when his uh, skeleton was excavated. Uh a lot of people uh, there's stuff out there that says he had an elongated skull, but you can never yeah. find photos of it. Um what do you know about Lord Pakal, do you think it, he could have been uh, some kind of hybrid of sorts like we see um, with these skulls down in Paracas in Peru? You know, there's a lot of talk. I I try to stay away from uh, hybridization, but it's really easy to, you know, consider that. Uh, when you have the Maya talking about connecting with star people and it isn't, it, it's not casual discussion. It's like locked and loaded. Uh, I had an, a, a couple of authors. One, her name is uh, Artie Six Keller Clark. She is a native from Michigan who was down in Mexico and interviewed Mayan elders, Mayan shaman uh, people who, lived in or around these ruins and they're still seeing ships. There's a long legacy of uh, interbreeding of uh, star people and of uh, the native people who live in these ruins, these ruined cities. Um, and so when we hear the stories of Pakal, why can't we see his skeleton? Why is it kept secret? I mean, when you go to the uh, Anthropological Museum in Mexico City, there is a reproduction of the uh, 
of the skeleton that they found at Palenque and his and his adornment, his burial adornment, which is mind blowing. Um, but I don't know why they're not more forthcoming about his uh, cranium, about his head. He he is not that big. He's not seven or eight feet. Apparently, he's taller than normal um, Maya today. Most uh, Maya are really short, 5'2 to 5'4. He apparently was about 5'7 to 5'8, according to a couple of different uh, people. Um, but he's got a lot of strangeness about him. He's apparently, the rumor is that he's got a heavier mandible jawline. He looks like his bones are heavier, thicker. Um, what did he, were his parents, uh, you know, was one of his parents a Maya, was another parent from some other country. Um, he lived a lot longer than the average uh, uh, king and got a lot done in uh, Palenque as well as uh, ha- making treaties with a lot of the neighboring uh, cultures. So we don't know. Um, this goes back to knowledge we could understand if we were willing to talk to the natives. And uh, my my mentor passed before I could ask him questions about kings like Pical, but uh, I do know that there's a whole science and technology that is missing. Uh, Barreros, who was another mentor of mine, Robert Barreros, in his book, uh, 2012, talks about the height of the Mayan culture and that at one point, over 50,000 pyramids were active. In other words, they were pushing energy into the atmosphere. They sat on faults. And he says, and he passed away in 2021, to this day, there's only 5,500 that are active. So they're picking up this energy and they're distributing it out through their pyramids. Um, Why we don't know more about it, I think it's kind of a big secret. We know that NASA was down at Chichen Itza like 10 years ago and basically put a tent or a a tent, a uh, covered wall around the El Castillo, the main pyramid, so that they could do testing. And they were there for like almost a month testing the frequencies apparently that are emitted from the pyramid there. So that tells you something. Uh, Why it's not more widely known probably is because they found some exotic energy. They found some exotic uh, discharge from the pyramid and they haven't figured it out yet. So interesting. Yeah. You know, um, on in, Pakal's tomb on the lid is the famous depictions of him seated in almost what looks like could be a flying machine, some kind of technological device. You've also talked about various Mayan figurines that are like a thousand years old that are almost wearing what we would say looks like a spacesuit of some sort. Um, do you think this is just mostly symbolic somehow, um, supernatural beliefs, or do you think uh, the Maya may have had some kind of knowledge of or even possessed some form of lost tech in like 600 AD. I think that they had full-blown technology that could 
that could be applied to self-propelled machines, flying craft. Um, I found excellent evidence for sub-zero to zero atmosphere suits. In fact, one of the suits that I have in my own collection is so accurate. I had an astronaut, a um, former Apollo astronaut, look it over. He was in charge of the suits that they wore during the missions. And he said that the, the, the suit that I sent him, the photos that I sent him, is a dead-on, dead ringer for the sub-zero suits, helmet wear, and even what appears to be the uh, headset and the microphone inside the head, the head suit, the helmet, uh, which was dumbfounding and a definite out-of-place artifact. I think that uh, at some point uh, there was uh, a whole different science and technology that was uh, uh, availed to the Maya that was handed down to them. Um, if you look at some of the new discoveries made by archaeologists in Mexico, they're finding these huge, huge, what they call platforms uh, that are found through for LIDAR. There's one in um, uh, north of Oaxaca uh, in an area that's thought of to be the Olmec, but now appears to be Maya. It is this exact configuration for a modern uh, a runway a plane runway they can't even get their brain around that so they call it a platform but the analysis that uh, has been discovered is that this is a multi-layer surface it's a weight-bearing surface that has tons of cement underneath it tons of huge blocks of granite that support heavy heavy weight it looks more likely that it was a runway of some kind, <laughs> which wow. is mind-blowing for me to say. But see, I don't have a PhD behind my, my name. I don't have to worry about my <laughs> tenure. So I can say things like this. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, we're not talking about one. Uh, last, wait, uh, last December, they found 500 of these platforms. Average length is a runway. The larger ones are like two runways. And they're perfectly flat. There's uh, a pyramid configuration uh, that is around them that would support some of this technology we're talking about, unseen energetics that would be used to propel these craft. Uh, so it, it could be another 100 years before we actually get the clarification. I think, again, and I keep saying this, is that some kid at MIT is going to develop scanning technology to be able to figure out what the energy is behind the Maya. So, and that's what propelled these craft. That's kind of out there to say, but <laughs> it's like, I, it's so prevalent. And, and uh, the, the native people acknowledge this. They acknowledge flying craft. This has been a fascinating interview, Cliff. Uh, thanks so much for joining me. And uh, what's, what's the best way for our audience to connect with you? If they want to, um, Connect with me directly. Uh, you can go to cliff at earthancients.com is my email. Like I said to everybody listening or watching, jump into the Earth Ancients Facebook group. Lots of great conversations and photos there. Uh, obviously, subscribe to Earth Ancients podcast and um, be looking for Cliff's book coming out next year. Cliff, thanks so much, my friend. A pleasure, D. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. We'll do it again. Thanks. <laughs>